Hello and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have the great Ed Parker Jr. I think you know who Ed Parker is. One of the great martial artists from the past. Trained Elvis Presley and what have you. We're going to talk to him today about art. Um, Then later on we're going to talk to him about martial arts. But that's going to be a different episode. I try to watch, what, listen to one, and I'll tell him about this, but I try to listen to our original episode that I had him on, which was our sixth episode, and it was insufferable. I couldn't handle this. Uh, but, you know, w- why wait? Let's just bring him on the line right now, huh? He's, he's in here waiting. Uh, but I, I do want to know how you guys are doing. If you guys are doing well, not well, worried, not worried, uh, if you have something to say, give us a call. 515-602-9609. Give me a call. I'm very happy to have you guys all here. All right, let's bring him in. Let's let's bring our favorite uh, clap track on and bring this guy in here. One of the, the famous men. Here we go. <laughs> you gotta love that. I know, right? <laughs> you could just walk into every room and just have that. I mean, I'll tell you, you'd be one confident you know, I, person. I think, I think we gotta. That's a that's a money maker, man. Just have like a digital thing that you plug into the wall and just like the clapper, you know. Just. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you had it, if you had it, your belt buckle, and then every time you walked into a restaurant or anywhere where you felt a little insecure. <laughs> And that went off. I think that would make your day. <laughs> funny. How you been, my friend? I'm great. I'm great. How about yourself? Very good. You know, before we get started, how are you and your wife doing right now and, and uh, during this pandemic? You know what? We, we, we actually went on lockdown four years ago. So we're kind of used to this lifestyle already. We we moved to a remote area in in the woods up in a, an old yeah. gold mining town, and um, I don't think anybody in the town knows there's a pandemic going on. Really? <laughs> we, yeah, we, we still get we still get you know it goes it gets talked about in the in the post office, and that's where we get right. the news. So everything everything's so isolated. It's very isolated here, and, um, you know, it's just, I don't know, I just, uh, it's one of those things where you just, you're you're grateful for where you live, and you're great, you right. know, you're grateful that you're not in the craziness of of what, uh, yeah, I mean, we're aware of everything that's going on, we have, sure. we have family all over the of place, course and, yes. and we, we, we keep up with the pulse of things, although we don't have any police presence in our town either. And, really? Um, yeah, there's so you can go for walks and nobody's you know ratting you out whether you have a face mask or not. Or right. <laughs> You're isolated. There's no, the the weird thing is is that in the past couple of months, I think that all the rebels are coming up to our our, our mountain town. We have a lake and right. and stuff like that. And normally we have 120 people here. And um, currently, we have 120 visitors here. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, 
there's a lot of visitors here, and they're all just kind of getting away because they know there's no police presence or nobody's going to get right. fined by anything. So, <laughs> I, was, um, I, was, I was walking to the supermarket this morning, and nobody was wearing a mask. People were walking on the street, running down the street, walking their dogs. Nobody was wearing a mask. And I just thought to myself, you know, this is – this is the this is the reason why I get depressed. It's like this is the reason why I get sad. It's like the arrogance of human beings, and you know, because this is a big city. We live in a big city, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. At least I do, you know. And sure. the the amount of like, you know, I'm young. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I get COVID. It's like, hey, listen, you know, can you care that my mother gets it? Because my mother's seventy four years old, like you know, can you can you care for five seconds that she gets it a little bit, like maybe, but you know, as you know, L A is a very you know, I was thinking about this today, and L A is such a confident town where people need to fake confidence, they need to fake a certain amount of um, uh, hubris that I, I think that kind of leads into uh, uh, like these things, whereas you know. I'll be fine. Nothing will hurt me. I'll be okay. Until, of course, they're in the hospital. But, but that's, that's the, that's the LA Hollywood mentality. You know, I'm a big rock star. I'm a big movie star. I'm invincible. I'm I'm the greatest karate master in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Until you get your ass kicked by somebody from like, you know, Alabama. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, there's a there's an overinflated uh, uh, sense of self-importance that that certain regions of the of the planet, you know, seem to uh, um, you know grow, and and LA is definitely one of them. You know, there's yeah. There's a there's a there's not a lot of headroom because there's a lot of ego. No, 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 no. Yeah, the the heads are gigantic out here, man. I'm sur- I'm surprised people can actually wear hats out here. I'm surprised the <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> I know, I'm like head masks out here. <laughs> so but at the same it, time, you know, there's a balance in life, and there's some some of the greatest, finest, you know, most outstanding people are in that town too. So oh, absolutely. You know, there's. You know, I, you know, it's it's fun to to, to make light of the of the, um, the the one side, but you know, some of the best people I've ever known in my life are still down there, and oh yeah, you know, I still have a son there, and so you know. <laughs> well, you know, the inter- the interesting thing is that it, it, three three percent of the Germans were Nazis, and, and they were such a, a a big cycle, and only three percent of the Japanese were on the side of World War Two. So it only takes three percent to be like the 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 one person at the party who just screws it up for everybody, you know. And I was just thinking today is like, can, can you guys please just calm down a little bit, just please? You know, it's it's really hard because we're we're living on on um on the words of non um educated people. There's a lot of people right. that are telling us what to do. But right. the thing is, is that they don't have any knowledge or education in the field by which they're claiming. And right. and that's really hard because then it becomes a trust factor. You know, when you do your own research, you find out that some of this stuff is not, you know, scientifically founded. And, right. Right. and you know, it, it, it's difficult because everybody's saying, trust me. And yet right. there are people with, with, you know, tainted trust records. Right. So, right. You know, so at this time, 
serious, you know? Yeah. And so this whole, you know, crying wolf thing is, 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 is difficult, but you're right. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, our, our society seems to go through these cycles. And I think that yeah. if you become more of a historian and you start seeing how, you know, how people are manipulated or things are, or, or, are manipulated in, in different ways financially or, or, right. you know, pandemically or whatever, you know, you know, the, the, the the sad thing is that we're not in a power position to make changes. So we're right. going to have to sit there and weigh out the difference of what, you know, what kind of education that we have on this and how can we participate in a way where, where we stay safe. And, right. and you know, that it's, it's a very difficult thing because unfortunately I don't have a lot of trust in those who are talking to me. And, right. and so and, and so I, I, the only thing I encourage is that people do their due diligence and, and, and don't right. seek a single opinion. You know, right. I mean, it, it shouldn't be, you know, oh, I just turn on the TV and I just, you know, I'm not just going to use an old name, Chuck Henry. I just trust Chuck Henry. <laughs> right. And, and that's all I trust. And, right. And, yeah, he's, a, he's actually a friend of mine. But, but yeah. <laughs> I've seen him in years, but, but, you know, back when, back in the day, and, and he was working for ADP. I remember Chuck Henry, yeah. Yeah, he was my Sunday school teacher. Um, <laughs> he was your son's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was my Sunday school teacher. That's hilarious. But, uh, but, um, you know, I just, I, I think that, that, you know, we as a culture are also lazy. And, and we, we don't want to do our due diligence. We don't want to do our research. We want to trust a few people or, or, or certain people. And then we defend it. How dare you talk bad about my trustworthy source? Well, <laughs> right. I'm to do some research myself. <laughs> I know. to have a different opinion. But, right. But, uh, I'm allowed to have I more than one opinion. Support. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, I think that, that – you know, the, the safest thing, in my opinion, I, I learned this from my dad, and that is to use the collective mind, you know, um, you, you know, gather up as much data and then use your own cognitive brain to decipher what's, you know, you know, the conclusions that you find based upon the volume of information that you've researched. Right. And my dad used to do that in his in his teachings and stuff like that. He would he would have, you know, these guys want to become black belts and then right. he'd say, well, you have to do a thesis. And, right, and they're all like, "What thesis? Well, I thought all I had to do is, you know, pound on a nuki." No, that's genius. Well, do a thesis, thesis yeah, started? yeah. And so he's all like, "Well, you know, whatever your thesis is." And he had one guy that was a knife maker, um, right. Gil Hibben, and Gil Hibben, his thesis was making a knife. And there's all these different individuals that had different educational backgrounds, and they would right. they would submit their their you know parallel to the arts with their craft and they right. submitted as a thesis. And then right. my dad would put some of those theses that were in writing in a, in a file cabinet and he would right. wind up taking that information and regurgitating it into or recirculating it into a system 10 years later. And I thought right. that was brilliant because he used the collective mind. And I think that, you know, that's, that's where I go with this current situation is, is that we, right. we need to use, you know, a broader, um, spectrum of, of research and we, right. we need to decipher things, you know, more from a, you know, a collective mind situation so that we have an educated opinion and, and not be so hostile about the opinion. You know, we, we're, we're right. very hostile with defending. Our we opinion. are. Yes. And, and I don't, I don't know why. I mean, we're, something's going on that's choosing to divide us 
And I think right. that if we, we, we take a big picture look, you know, who has who who is who is there to gain from us being divided? But right. I've never known a more divided planet right now. Holy, you know, holy I, moly, I, you know, I agree with you. I never thought that I would see uh, the world divided. You know, I, I wrote a book about this earlier, and I thought to myself, there will never, I'll never, in my lifetime, I'll never see the world divided the way I wrote this book. And I'm seeing it right now. And it's shocking to see how people are so divided on thought, so divided on on personal perspectives, so dis, so divided on um, the ability to, to even research uh, certain thought and what have you and share their thoughts with other people. You know, I, I think it's important that we, we take a step back and, and not be so emotionally invested in, in, into right. things because our emotions are, are really fragile. I mean, it's like we, our, 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 our cultures turn into a bunch of champagne glasses. Right. Very, very fragile. Um, you know, very touchy about anything. I've been watching that, you know, you know, you, you go on Facebook and you, and you see people posting things and everybody's trying right. to, you know, stay nice and nice and neutral for fear of being ripped apart. But, you know, if somebody says right. something about a particular, about a particular topic, that's not, you know, yeah. You know, part of it, then it's like, okay, you're defriended. That's it. I'm done with you. And I'm like, you're blocked. When did, yeah. When did that happen? You know, right. It's so, it's so slam the door on people right now. Right. And, and, and to me, it's like, there's gotta be, I, I personally think that, that everything runs its course and you, and everything right. ends. Everything does. I mean, the one, one thing that you can count on is change. It will happen. No matter what, right. and you cannot continue on a course, you know, without it burning itself out. And so right. I do believe that this is nothing more than a cycle. I'm just anxious for the cycle to end because, right? It, because it's you cannot regurgitate the same thing over and over and over again. What do they right. say? What, what what makes an idiot a person that does the same thing over and over again? Right. Changes. The That's the definition of insanity That's, is one that does something over and over again. Right. Yes. Right, right. And I think that that's, you know, you can't keep doing what we're doing over and over again, expecting different results. And right. and to me, it, it's like, you know, when I teach and stuff like that, a lot of the times I teach people about, you know, you got to be patient, too, because a person's muscle right. will get, give out to exhaustion within 20 seconds. You know, you can't flex that long. And so if you look at, at certain, you know, exercise levels or whatever, you can you can maximize it to a to to a number of seconds further than that. But right. For the most part, you can only add tension so long before it gives. Right. And it's like You're right. prime example is have some you know in, in martial arts have somebody do a low squat stance and then time right. them. <laughs> yeah. Right. How long are you gonna hold that, buddy? <laughs> I can do it for hours. Really. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forty seconds later, oh my legs are burning, they're killing me. <laughs> my thighs are hurting. <laughs> exactly, and, and and I think that 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 if 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 we have a tendency, I think the the problem that we have is we spend too much time with a microscope right. and not enough time with a telescope. You know, right. look at things microscopically is fine. You know, but, that's a great you know, point right there with the microscope telescope thing. That's a great point. Sometimes we're so close to the tree that all we see is the bark. Right. You know, you always You're say, right. you know, well, you can't see the trees through the forest, but, you know. Right. But sometimes we're so close to the bark, we don't even know on a tree. 
And I right. think that, that we're we're at this this frustration as a culture and almost oppressive. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I can't say that I haven't had that myself as our conversation started. You know, I chose to, to be self quarantined four years ago. Um I, right. I, I was tired of I don't know. I, I think the the collective consciousness pushing me in a certain direction. You must think this way. You must right. act this way. You must be this way. You know. And to me, you know, there's there's two types of people out there. Well, it's always going to be a two two or whatever. But right. in the context of what, where I'm going with this is is that you know there's traditionalists and there's progressives. And I'm not a traditionalist. I'm a progressive. Right. That means I'm always seeking something. Further, and there's nothing wrong with being a traditionalist. No, you've always been but, different. You've always you've always been you've always been a centralist. You've always, you know since we first spoke, you you've always been a centralist, which is something I've always respected about you. Well, you know, a, a, a big chunk of that comes from being a creative. As a creative, you're by yourself a lot, a lot. You know, you when you're thinking of a project or a painting or, or writing something. You don't have an audience. You don't have people right. influencing you. You're you're stuck by yourself. You know, some of my favorite authors. In fact, there's a uh, an author I, I was uh, following for a number of years, Dan Brown, and and mm-hmm. you know, you see him in interviews, and he's all cleaned up, and he's got his hair all nice, and he's got a you know, suit, and he's talking, and he's all like, "This is not what I look like." Because I'm in my pajamas. My hair's never called. <laughs> 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 that's, that's my real life. You know, and 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 and. It's kind of like the way you know I, I live my life too. Is is that I'm I'm very secluded because there's so much stuff that you solve in your own mind. You right. envision a process, and then your whole thought process is obsessing of how to solve that image. It's like I have right. an image in my head. How can I solve it? How can I be the most effective, efficient in getting to this goal of accomplishing this? And and, you know, you don't seek a lot of counsel. And a lot of hmm. times we as people are very insecure and we're constantly calling people up. Hey, buddy, I wanted to run something by you. What do you think of right. it? And then they give an opinion. But that opinion sways the, the initial vision. And it gets swayed again and again and again and again. And people are not, they're not, you know, taking their own initiative and stay the course of what they, the, you know, what they envision. And right. I, you know, I don't know what they they say. You know, uh, God has no um, has no counsel. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> to me. To me, it's like I I don't use a counsel. I don't have a um, you know a sounding board of people I want to run past because one thing I don't want to hear is, is somebody's negative opinion about what I'm doing because right. you're giving them you're giving them the five minute version. And you're expecting them to give you your 30-year, you know, understanding of it. And when they rip it apart, you get all upset. Well, well, you don't know what I, what I've discovered. You don't understand that. <laughs> you should give them that kind of weight in the first right. place. You know, if you're that invested in your project, you don't, you don't seek other counsel. Yeah, and I right. think that, you know, by doing research, that's fine because then you could be influenced by writing or, or other people's work. But you don't you don't pull in their opinion and you don't give it so much weight and it allows you, think, you to st- go. Do you, th- do you think your mother was a huge influence on that part of your, the perspective of your mind and the way you think right now? Because you mentioned her earlier today. My mom. Yes. 
Was your mom like that? Uh, was, your, was your mom you, the way the way you, you're thinking right now? Did she perceive the life no, the way that you perceive? My dad was more that 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 person. Mm. My mom, my mom was a, she had counsel. <laughs> right, she had counsel. My, she had counsel. My 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 mom lived a. Um, um, God, how do you say something without being negative? Okay, she was like a hen house, and there was a lot of hens. Okay, there was a lot of hens in the hen house, and I got you. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. And so, okay, and and, and no, so I understand that. that. I understand that life. I understand that life a hundred percent. There's nothing bad yeah. about that. I understand that. Right, right, and and so you know, and it, it, it's what worked for her, and that was her. Um, that was her method operandi. But with my dad, my dad, he always was, uh, he was my greatest influence because the way he thought was he, he didn't, I, I remember one time he talked about when he, when he first started his international karate championships and he pulled all his black belts together and he put them all in a room and he asked for their opinions. And then mm-hmm. at the end of that meeting, he stopped having those meetings forever. <laughs> <laughs> That that sounds like a master right there. <laughs> yeah, he he just sat there and it's all like, oh, the hell with it. So he yeah. was done. He did not. He didn't see the value in the in the constant, you know, diversity of thought in that moment because it was his vision, and he realized right. that people weren't aligning with his vision or they weren't participating to make that, you know, grow right. in the in the in the direction he wanted it to grow. Right, because they want they almost wanted to keep things status quo, right? They almost wanted to keep things the way they used to be. Yeah, you know, but the thing is, is that they don't have anything invested. It's his money, it's his right. vision, you know, and and they don't have that investment, and so, you know, they have a tendency to to throw out things that are might not necessarily work. But I I know my dad was like, you know. He, he had this, he had this um, I don't know, this analogy, you know, him, him being a teacher. Most teachers have these great analogies. Most teachers right. have these great, you know, um, stories that they use to teach. And he, he, he always gave reference to a thing called um, the bucket of Samoan crabs. He goes, mm. he goes this is like a bucket of Samoan crabs. I mean, not that. I've never met a Samoan crab. I think they're just ocean crabs. <laughs> right. It was a bucket of Samoan crabs, and he said, the thing is is that if you have more than one crab in a bucket, whatever right. crab is trying to crawl out will be pulled out. The other one pulls you back in. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I, I, I found that to be the case in my, in my, you know, my journey in life. And so yeah. I, I think that when you want success, you don't hang out in the bucket. Right. You, just, you, just right. you go off, you do your own thing, and that way you're not yeah. being pulled down by anything. And right. I think that it allows you the space to be confident so that when somebody does say something negative, you don't take it to heart. Right. You, know? you, right. you just don't. I mean, you, you hear them, you're going, okay, I hear you got a negative opinion based upon five minutes of thinking. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, sorry, I've got you know decades of thinking on this topic, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't give you the intelligence factor in in, in this moment. So I'm just going to discount your mind in the moment and just move on. And I I, I live my life like that. I've I've had a lot of um, 
ideas that I want to do. And, and I, right. like I said, I don't have counsel. I mean, nobody's telling me my paintings are, are off. I mean, I have to do that on my own. I have to paint something and then step away for, for a day sometimes and look sure. back and go, whoa, I messed up on that eye. <laughs> <laughs> if I kept painting it. You know, and you, you have to be to, your own master at that point, yeah. You, you have to do a lot of self-check because yeah. you know, I think uh, as creators, we all have to do that. And, and right. we, we write our work down, we, 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 we leave it alone, we come back, we analyze it again. Um, you know, whether you're a script writer, a book writer, a painter, you know, a, a martial arts master, what, whatever it is, Right. Create something, and then you have to analyze it and reanalyze it and refine it. I think that that you know, if you're good at it, you're you're effective. But what happens is is that once you know that you can be effective, then it becomes efficient. How can you be right. efficient? How can you how can you refine it? And refinement is never ending. You know, there is no. Right. I don't understand the term perfection. I'll, I'll be perfect. <laughs> you good luck on that one. Introduce me to somebody who's perfect. Good, good luck on that one. <laughs> you know, yeah, there, there's, they, they say these they say these uh, monks are, are perfect up up in the hills, and they they have the education of a seventh grader. You know, and I, I don't know if yeah. that means anything, but it's like you know, ignorance is not bliss. A lot of times, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's no. not. I think. I think our, our world does really well when you balance out, you know, right. Uh, ma- maintaining an innocence, maintaining a, uh, you know, I, I, you know, one of the, I mean, I, I'll always go back to my dad because he was one of my greatest influences and, and, sure. you know, one of the things I always I, I admired about him was the, the, the fact that he was always in a constant state of wonderment and discovery. Right. Right. And, and that's, I, something, I, I, that's, some, that's something that. about his mastery. You know, you know, you mentioned, you know, a thesis and I, and you know, in our second interview that we're going to have very soon, I can't wait to talk to you about that because I wrote a thesis for my grandmaster as well. For, for my, when I became a grandmaster myself, I wrote a thesis mm-hmm. and I was the first one out of all the students who ever wrote a thesis. And, and, you know, he had a lot of questions. He's like, do you really believe this? Do you really believe this to be true? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's called a thesis. You know, I, I, I think it's true. I think it's right. But, you know, this it's just a thesis. And it's all, it's on Facebook, you know, and I, I made it obvious for him to see. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know any other students that he's ever had in his entire career, in his entire life, who's ever written a thesis. And when you and when you mentioned your father, you know, making his students write a thesis for their, I guess, their black belt, uh, it reminded me of that experience of, of uh, you know, trying to prove myself of having the knowledge, having the understanding and being my own self of opinion and of fact. I, I just I celebrate that side more because I, I'm inundated with people who like to mimic and copy. Right. I'm not not people who like to be innovative and right um and but it, you know imagine is, isn't it our position to grow isn't it our position to bring it beyond what our masters thought it would be isn't it isn't it our job to make it better than what they ever thought it could ever be i mean isn't that why they teach us um one would assume <laughs> right <laughs> 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 One would but 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 un- unfortunately, we live in a we live in a culture that 
is what I call righteousness. People want to be right, no matter what. They want right. to be right. Whatever they choose, to, whatever they do, is the right way to do things. Right. And 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 they defend their righteousness no matter what. And 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 I I think it's I think it's it, it's. And I I was having this this conversation online the other day where I was trying to address this issue because people are are they, they were talking about you know, at least martial arts from an angle where, where it's like, oh, this is a noble thing and this is a noble, noble, noble and this is the right thing and la da 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 and I'm Come like, on. Oh, martial arts isn't, isn't a religion. Right. It, it isn't. It, it's not a religion. It, you know, yeah. let's, let's take a step further back. I said, this person that you're trying to defend, did he charge you for lessons? Yes. Right. Well, then he's a business. Does he have right. a store for an operation? Well, yes, he does. Well, then he's a professional business. Right. Then you have to take into consideration, weigh out the balance. How much of this is marketing? You know, <laughs> right? But marketing, the huge chunk of brick it, and mortar. You know, yeah. You know, and so how much of that marketing are you buying into? I am the right. ultimate, really. Well, who <laughs> says so? Right. You know, does marketing say so? I mean, come on. I mean, most people right. don't know my career. You know, they 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 assume that my career was nothing but martial arts in some levels. Sure. Um, and then another thing is they see my artwork and they go, oh, well, you're an artist. So that was your career. And it, it's like my career was whatever put food on the table. And if in a right. martial arts seminar is not being booked this weekend, then hopefully I'll get a portrait I can paint because that'll pay the bills. And, right. And so, and so, you know, you just do what you can. I, I don't know many people that don't have multiple jobs to survive in this culture. Sure. But, but you know, I was just, that's what I did. I, I was an artist as a, as a child and I got a lot of awards and a lot of kudos and, and, and tell me, you know, tell me about that. You know, where, where did that artistry come from? You know, because I, we're going to, we're going to have a separate conversation about martial arts later on, but you know, I want to know sure. where your, where your, where your artistry came from. Where, where, where was that driven from for you? Cause you are a wonder, you're a wonderful artist. Well, I thank you. Thank you. I think that, let me uh, let me bring it back a little bit because yes. from my perspective, from my perspective, I, I literally I'm no different than I was when I was when I was you know a pre teenager. I just drew for things that would fit on the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it literally was nothing more than um, I, I think when we're when we're in kindergarten or whatever we are, we all got a box of crayons. Every one of us did. Right. And, and we would all draw. You know, get a piece of newsprint, we draw. And in in my particular case, um, I was <laughs> I was I, I grew up in the era of when when Snoopy was a big deal. You know, and Snoopy right. the Red Baron yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So here I am in Peanut kindergarten, Day. and I'm. Yeah, I'm in I'm in kindergarten, and the easiest thing to draw was a soft with camel from the side. It was just like yeah. a triangle and two little ovals for the upper upper wing and bottom wing, and then two lines and an X for the, the support of the wings. Why wow, you're bringing the me back. round back part? Wow, yeah. You know, I mean, it was just simple shapes, and so it was really easy to draw that. You know, and yeah. and you don't draw perspective, you don't draw 3D or anything like that. You just draw the simple shapes. And, and then, you know, when you want to show that the gun was firing, you use a dashed line. <laughs> but you never draw the dashed line without the sound effects, you know. Sure. <laughs> and you draw the little dashed line. <laughs> and then when you draw something else in there, you, you, you draw it with the sound effects too. <laughs> right. And you blow up, blow up whatever. 
and I and I remember in in kindergarten, all the kids were drawing that. So you draw because that's what everybody's drawing, and and so I drew it too. But then I saw some of the kids would show one of the planes crashed into the ground, but when they did, they had the plane crash intact, just stuck like on a forty-five degree in the ground. Mm, and I was yeah. thinking, hmm, well, that's not right. Right. So what I did was I took my plane, I crashed in the ground, and I cracked it in half. Right. And and I got these kudos for it. I was like, wow, that's so ingenious. That's so smart. I never would have thought to crack the plane. Or observant. And I, <laughs> and I liked it. You know, yeah. I liked that, you know, the kudos. It's like, right. Oh, well, then maybe I should do more of that cleverness. And so that's what started my, my art career was, was drawing from that particular perspective. Wow. And that is, you know, just to always draw something that somebody doesn't normally show. Right. And so no matter where I went in my, my art career, it was always about being the perspective or the angle that somebody didn't see right. or, or documenting in a different way. Like, like I don't know, I might have done 3,000 portraits in my career, and most of them are martial artists. And, and people would it, – it's funny the way you respond to 3,000 portraits? Yeah, about 3,000 portraits. Um, wow. And, it, you know, in the process of drawing all those portraits over the years, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, the, the dialogue that you talk, talk to people and, you know, oh, you're such a great artist and everything else. And right. In my own head, I'm going, got lucky on that one. Woo. <laughs> 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 but but I, I also learned – you know, I, I was in you know in college. I, I was on a full theatrical scholarship as well as an art scholarship, and really? I learned um, from being in, in theater about makeup. That's something you had to do, and so I, I would use some right. of the makeup techniques I have in the drawing process. You know, if somebody has or lighting too. You know, because if somebody right. has sure. a, a nose that they're not flattered by. The one thing you don't do is emphasize their nose. You de-emphasize it by lighting or, you know, shadowing or, or right. things. And the one thing I learned, you know, people would always say, wow, your portraits are amazing. I love them and everything else. And I'm sitting there going, well, I lie. <laughs> I don't draw what you look like. I draw what you want to look like. Oh, like Barbara Streisand almost. Job. Yeah, I mean, I, I draw because I know how to flatter you. If, mm. if the guy's got like a, a deer in headlights look in his face, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna paint that. I'm gonna paint a more serious look. And one of my greatest influences of art was was an artist by the name of Drew Struzan. Drew yeah. Struzan was like the god of art to me. He, I uh -huh. loved his work beyond belief. He he um, He's a great artist. He was the one. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you know who he is. A lot of people don't know, who, you know, his works or what he what he was influential on. He's but wonderful. In the he's 80s, wonderful. In the 80s, he's, he was known for a tremendous amount of artwork. I mean, he did like the first Star Wars or the the second round of Star Wars posters. You know, when they uh -huh. did the, uh, the 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 the, tr the first trilogy with uh, right. Qui Gon Jinn or whatever. He did some of that artwork, and he did some of the. Um, uh, Indiana Jones posters. I mean, there were uh -huh. other artists at the time. There was a guy named Ansel, but he died. And then there right. was a guy um, by the name of Robert Peake, but he retired. And he did right. some of the Star Trek posters at the beginning. And, and so there was other artists that were well, out there. Really geeky Bruce stuff. But yeah, stuff I know really well. <laughs> You're awesome. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for knowing Bruce this stuff. Bruce. 
Drew Strizen was he started off with um, doing album posts, uh, album covers. He did like uh, Alice Cooper's "Welcome to My Nightmare," and he did that's right. Um, <laughs> and he did the piece. He did um, holy moly, um, Black Sabbath. Yeah, so, Black Sabbath. So, uh, he did black. He did, and I was and I was in high school at the time, and I and I I just was like. Yeah, that's back in the days when you could go to a used record store, you know, and they right. would fill up, you know, three or four hours of your day. You know, you'd ride a bike up to the – we had sure. a place in Pasadena. It was called Poobah's Record Store. Oh, and Poobah's. And you'd go up there <laughs> and go to Poobah's, and, and you'd, you know, you could eat up two or three hours just rummaging through old records. And, and you know, that's when I, I started to get into um, album cover artwork and just admiring them. And then I, I think right. that when you want to – be good, you take somebody that you admire and then you try to mimic them. I, I see that right. in the martial arts too, you know, where people, sure. they, they admire somebody and they mimic them. Started mimicking artists like Roger Dean who did the Yes albums. And right. I started to oh. try to mimic. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for you to, to mention Yes albums, by the way. I swear oh, to my yeah, soul. Yeah. I was sitting here waiting <laughs> for you to just mention Yes albums. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roger Dean was the the artist. He did airbrush work at the time, and yeah. he was so influential because you know the music was so strange and, and bizarre right. at the time. It was, but you were able to kind of ground it with his artwork. And I always appreciated the type of artwork that would influence people through you know the musical stuff. But then Drew Struzan, he went into doing motion picture posters, and right. so um, I, I, he was my greatest influence. A lot of my poster or uh, Portraits were based upon more of a movie poster look. I used a lot of backlighting and stuff, hmm. and, and it's kind of funny because people would would would, would you know I, I came up with a series of portraits for the Kempo community where I used a blue cloud, right. and people were like, "Wow, I mean, what does this blue cloud mean?" And you know, when you look at it more from an economical <laughs> point of view, I'm thinking. Man, right. if I do a dark background, that's going to cost me a whole lot more in ink. Right. That's so, right. So, <laughs> I don't want to have you know twenty five dollars in ink just just for the background. Right. So if I just make a misty cloud, and the reason why I needed it dark is because if you backlight the 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 subject by having you know light uh, on the edge of their hair and everything else, it's a trick they do in 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 movies or they do it in concerts where you want the main guy on the stage to have a stronger light behind them than it is in front of right. them. And so they have like this, this angelic glow behind them and it pulls them away. So are, I started, are, you, are, are you finding the people trying to mystify you like right now in your life? I've, I've seen it. I've seen people, you know, uh, you know, you, you create a look and then so many people look at it and they're going, that's the look that you do. Right, and so they'll mimic it. I've seen a lot of people do the clouds and stuff, but they don't know right. why I do it. And, right, and, and it's funny because they're they're coming from a more of a, you know, this is what you're supposed to do instead of, you know, look, I'm trying to save a buck. But you're so you're so <laughs> you're so approachable. It, it surprises me that nobody would simply just ask you, like, why you're doing. I'm that. not in an industry with a lot of people in my same field. Hmm. You know, I'm 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 a fish out of that field. I mean, in in the, in yeah. the art industry, it, it's like anything else. It's dog eat dog. Right. Everybody's trying to to compete and stuff like that. Right. But I carved the niche on yeah. my own. I like in the martial arts community, we all want you know 
to be something unique in the industry. But the right. problem with that is there's only so many openings. You know, there's only so many Bruce Lee, you know, roles that are out there. There's only right. so many people that will be a brand master. There's only so many people who will be a, uh, a, an events promoter. There's only right. so many openings. And so right. in the context of trying to be creative and finding your own niche, I was just looking at it like, well, you know, there's not a lot of people that are the martial arts artists. Right. And therefore, I'd much rather be a pioneer than, you know, I'd much rather be the innovator than, than uh, you know, than the follower. You know, my dad right. always used to say, I'd rather be the uh, organ grinder than the monkey. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Yes, and that's so, true. You know, I grew up with that kind of thinking, and so I thought, my career as a martial arts artist started off with with doing um, martial arts right. certificates, sure. and and so um, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, really? piece of paper, and the piece yeah. of paper has you know the association or whoever's endorsing the rank, your right. name, and you know a little gobbledygook as to you know uh, you know right. uh, you are the registered da 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 you know. <laughs> Exalted, right. supreme, whatever, and then right. it's endorsed by those who are on your test, right? Right. And and the thing is, is that that's no different than a magazine cover. You can't sit there and say just text on the front of a magazine and expect people to pick it up. You sure. use artwork to lure them in. Same thing with a movie poster. If a movie poster is trying to tell, sell you on a high tech, you know, film. You only have one piece of paper to sell you on the story, to get you hooked sure. to see it. And so sure. the same thing is, is that my thinking was when I create a, a black belt or, or a martial arts certificate, I want right. it to be something that commands a moment of reverence so that when you look at it on the wall, your audience goes, whoa, Bob. What the hell did you do to earn this bad boy? You know, <laughs> right, right. And you want that, right? And, and I, I noticed that the certificates that were being done were like the Xerox of a Xerox, you know. And That's true. Unfortunately, I, I grew up around martial artists. Martial artists are, are some of the most amazing people, but they're also some of the most arrogant individuals. They yeah. assume that their talent as a martial artist transcends over to everything. They're right. a master marketing they're a master at artwork they're a master at everything and they do everything they wear all the hats right. and and to me you know they're all like well this is what my master gave this certificate so i'll give it and and they they believe that that you know because their emotional investment in it it should be respected but the thing is right. is that certificate it isn't it's it, it, most people don't get what that certificate is really for right when you get awarded it's for you when it goes through right. the wall, it's for your non-martial arts world. You know, it's funny, you know, and that the, you say that. I, I, I never, I never put my grandmaster um, certificate on the wall ever. I put my first degree black belt uh, mm-hmm. certificate on the wall because that was the one I was most proud of. And if somebody oh, sure, wanted sure. to know more about me, then they can ask me questions uh, or they can sure. read my bio. But that was the one I was I, uh, sincerely. I was the most proud of, and, and the, the second one I was most proud of was when I got uh, Teacher of the Year award when I was a red belt. I was so proud of that, so proud of being sure. Teacher of the Year at such a young young age. 
But you, I understand what you're talking about with these people who, you know, think that it means a lot to them. It mean, I mean, it does mean a lot to them. I understand why it, it means it, a lot to them. It, it does. And I think that, or my goal in the moment was to make sure that yeah. when something was on the wall, the last thing I wanted to hear from the audience was, oh, so you're into karate, are you? <laughs> right. As a martial arts, right. the last thing that we like is that water cooler mentality of being right. the monkey. You know, perform for me, please. Exactly. Show me a cool trick. We're not magicians, wow. but they want us yeah. to perform like a trick. Like and a I seal. Think that, that yeah. I think that our presentation was really poor for a number of decades. And I, I saw an opening for me to influence that. And I was really blessed because one of my my accolades that I got that I'm really proud of was when the Martial Arts History Museum gave me uh, an award called the uh, Funakoshi Award. And it yeah. was for being the most the- influential on the, on the culture of martial arts uh, with my artwork for three decades. Now, Funakoshi was a great, great man. That's a uh-huh. great award to get. I, I was really proud of that one. Yeah, I mean, I I would go out there and I and, and I would travel the world and 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 teach all kinds of seminars and these people would come up to me and they say, "Hey, you're at Parker's son, aren't you? Hey, I got a certificate <laughs> for you. You know, you go, I go, I have no idea who you are, buddy, but thank you. Very nice compliment." Right. Right. And I would collect these certificates, but these certificates became so abundant, I didn't know what to do with them because I wasn't going to, you know, put right. them in a frame or anything. And so I put them on a clipboard and in my closet hanging up. And I remember, right. you know, I put one certificate too many and the clipboard broke and it fell on the ground. And I and I wasn't aware of it until you know, a couple months later when I decided to go in there and, and rap right. had gone into my closet and they built a nest and they had, you know – Urinated and pooped all over all over the certificate. And like, <laughs> you know, I felt bad because you know it's like I know it meant something to somebody. It didn't mean anything right. to me, but you know, and you right. feel bad on one level because you're right. like, well, you know, maybe my kids would have rummaged through it and said, "Hey, Dad did some really cool things," but it, it you know, it just wound up going in the trash. But but um, you know, and I just thought about it. Well, what would create something that would make somebody want to frame it and put it on a wall? Right. And a lot right. of pieces I did, that was one of the, the, the things I said. If I design a certificate for your organization, then I, I, I want to have it so it's, it's easy to put in the frame as possible. So I always had it double matted and ready to frame. But something that you could go to Walmart and pay 20 bucks for a, a black frame, but with right. a nice mat on the inside. And so my, my rule was, okay, if you're going to hire me to do your artwork, then this is what you tell your students. In a frame, right. on a wall, in a week. Right. That's it in a frame on a wall in a week. And, right. and that was my thing. And, and, and my, my goal was, was the first thing for them to do when they saw the artwork was, what did you do to earn this? I wanted to command a moment of reverence so that when somebody thought, saw it, it was our Oscar. It was their right. Oscar moment. You know? and, and then the second thing is, where did you get it? Well, this is yours? Oh, my gosh. Who, who gave this to you? you know, what is, oh, it's for your black belt. You know, that, that whole thing needed to be there. I, I didn't want any attention as to who I was, the artist, because then you, it's like it's like when you see special effects in a movie. Well, then you're not a good special effects guy if you could see the special <laughs> effects. You know, you want it to be seamless. You want it to not be noticed. And the same thing, right. you don't, I don't want to be noticed as the artist. I want the right. accolades to, to go to the individual 
then to go to the association, then to go to, you know, what the accolade is for, a, a, a ranking or whatever, and then to command a moment of reverence. And if somewhere in the conversation somebody says, who's the artist, great. If not, no big deal. It, it, that wasn't right. my, my concern. And so, you know, I, I've, I've had a really blessed life with that because, you know, you have, I was yeah. a pi- pioneer in it. So, you, you know, you've, you know, all, all you want to do is feed your family, and you want to be able to 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 um, you, you know, pay the bills and 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 you know, raise your kids and 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 you know, pay the mortgage and whatever. And I've always had people that I've admired in my life. I was friends with a guy named Rick Avery, who was a stunt guy in the movies. Yeah. And Rick Rick Avery, what a great guy, but great guy, guy too, because you know. Uh, guy, dude, I've seen you in a million movies. I know. He yeah. says, I'm just so grateful the phone keeps ringing. I, and, you know, I, I feel the same way. You know, it's like I'm glad the emails still come to me saying, hey, I want a portrait or I want a painting or I want a canvas right. or I want certificate. Well, we, or I want a you know, we've known, we've known each other for quite, I, I think, a, a little bit of time. And <laughs> I've always known you as a person of, of honesty and you know, uh, you know, somebody that I loved talking to and somebody of genuality and somebody who just was uh, forever grateful for, for the things that they had. And, you know, I, I couldn't stop talking to you. I mean, I was, um, you know, I, I tried to listen to our first interview and it was insufferable. It was insufferable to listen to because, <laughs> you know, either I didn't ask you the right questions, it wasn't clear enough or... I wasn't happy enough with, 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 with where our relationship was. But, uh, you know, you've always been one of those kind human beings that I've always really appreciated. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate I, I appreciate that. You know, I think that we make choices of who we choose to represent and how we That's choose right. to represent ourselves. It's conscious choice, you know, and, you know, people go, well, gee, people don't like me. That's because you're not likable. <laughs> Be likable. <laughs> yeah. True. True. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, we all have to maintain a persona and we, you know, like, right. like if I'm in a situation where, like, like my wife and I were on, on one of our many travels or whatever, and, and, you know, I had to play the role of protector. And you don't want to mess with me when I'm in that persona. Sure. I don't look approachable. I do not look friendly. I do not look like right. anything other than when you're in that mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and people have caught me in that mode too. It's, it's kind of funny because I was in um, sure. Venezuela one time and there was like 4,000 people in this room. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish or at least not that dialect of Spanish. I can right. do some. some Venezuelan is, a, is, is, yeah, they got Castilian. They got a very different dialect. They have a very different dialect, and I, I whatever Mexican Spanish I knew, it did not apply to Venezuela. Right, right. <laughs> I was whipping out my, my, you know, my basic words, and they weren't working, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And, <laughs> and I got bombarded, and, and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it was just this, this, it was like an Elvis moment where there's thousands of people, and there's 4,000 right. people in the room, and they wanted me to sign an autograph and everything else. You try to maintain your, your composure the whole time and be nice right. and be pleasant and, and, and whatever. And, and so I was signing autographs, and it was, it was like maybe five inches from my, my face, 
and I just got through signing one, and then someone would stick one on top, making it four inches from my face. Right. And I signed that one, and then another one would come three inches from my face, and then from the side of it. And then all of a sudden, you start losing your composure, and you're going, man, back up, man. I'll sign right. your, your stuff, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm human, you know? Right. And I started losing my composure, and I started losing my, I, I don't know, I, it's kind of funny, in, in high school, I, I didn't, you know, I think we all do that where you don't want to be your parent. You know, my dad was Ed Parker, and I I became Ed Parker in high school. My name was Edmund, but, you know, you become right. older and you drop the mund and, and sure. you just go with the Ed. And so in, in high school I was that, but I wanted to be my own unique person. So, you know, I started doing um, um, movies and plays in, in high school, and I'd always have myself listed as C period Ed Parker. <laughs> and everybody's all so like, well, what, what does C stand for? I said, cool. right. <laughs> I'm cool. I like being cool. <laughs> so I always had that C period Ed Parker and all that I did. You're hilarious. I try to maintain that. Yeah, I just try to maintain that persona of being a likable, nice, nice person. Right. But being honest about it. You know, always being honest because I don't have a good enough memory to remember the lies. So don't be right. a liar. You know, don't be a liar. Don't. Don't throw out falsehoods. You know, and that's what Chinese say. The Chinese say, do not lie. You don't have that good of a memory. I just, you know, and to me, it's kind of, I, I, I got to a point where I got a little bit more edgy. And, and some of the philosophies I had was, well, if you don't like my truth, go seek therapy. <laughs> 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 like I'm fine, you know. Well, you right. really upset me. Well, go go seek therapy in the house. Go seek therapy, bro. There's anger issues. There's great psychotherapists out there, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all part of the you know it's the food chain. Yeah, you know, it's all part of the circle of life. Everybody's got a job. That's hilarious, man. You're hilarious. So so you know you know you're 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 paintings are are wonderful you know and the, the one things that i love about your paintings are the reds you know and it's funny that you mentioned the blues earlier today but it's the reds that really catch me off guard and, and really really blow me out of the way like the last one you did of, of the grandmaster who passed away or, or the person who passed oh, oh, away right. right right that was a beautiful beautiful painting it had a lot of reds had a lot of reds yeah, you try to play off of the original picture that you work with, you know, and he had kind of like this maroon within his Aloha shirt. And and yeah. um, a friend of mine, and, and I like to use those warm reds and browns and stuff like that because, um, one, it kind of had a, more of a Polynesian theme because he was from Hawaii. And on top of that, it, it's like um, the way that I paint, it's more of a – emotional thing i mean it, art artwork is emotional and and you know if i have no emotion i can't paint and i also right. try to be responsible for my emotions i try not to be angry when i paint because i think that whatever the art you document your emotions you don't I think mean, anger has anything to do with your paintings sometimes oh yeah they, they, there is anger in some of my paintings and i try to be okay. responsible by not being in that mood when i paint Right. I, I believe it, that that all art is nothing more than recorded emotion, and when mm. people relate to your artwork, it's because they relate to the emotion. Right. And and it, it, you know if if somebody gets your anger, 
then you're just perpetuating that. You know, I don't want right. people to bond with me on my anger. <laughs> my dark side. You make a great point oh, thank there. You. Yeah. That's my Darth Vader side. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in, in right. you know, projecting that. I think we have enough negative activity in the world. Sure. And I try yeah. to at least be that kind of responsible individual that tries not to let that be because we, we all bond on certain levels with somebody, you know, and, and, you know, like emo music or whatever, you know, like, you know, there's right. a whole genre of, of, of people that relate to this dark, you know, type of music, but it's also perpetuates it. And, and right. the thing is, is that, you know, that's, I think that's partly the reason why our world is so divided is that we, we, we put too much emphasis on the negative and the ugly. And and we we rally the troops around that one side, and I, and I think that we're not spending enough time bringing light to the circumstance, you know. And and I think that you know, I to me it means something to me because I've always had this feeling of I don't want to be a begat. If you look in in, in you yeah. know the scripture scriptures, you know, and Seth yeah. begat you know Ralph, you know, and yeah, like. I want my life to total up to being Ed begat Ed and then right. Ed begat Ed the third. You know, it's like, I don't want to be a begat. I want to stand out as something more than just somebody that existed. I want to right. live. I want to make a difference. And whether you like it or not, you know, your choices in life throw you into an arena of being something at times. And in my case, I became a public figure. Well, then you become responsible for what you say. You become responsible for what you can influence. You know, you, you do realize that if people are listening to you, then there are ears that are open, and you're filling it with your philosophies and your, you know, agenda and your, you know, your influence. I, I got to be responsible for that. And so right. that's why I try to at least be responsible. Because, like, I, I, back to, uh, uh, um, you know, Venezuela, when, when I, all of a sudden I lost it. And right. I, you know, I, I walked out. And, and and nobody saw my, my, my face or frustration except for these these couple of students whipped around the corner and these people behind me, Maestro, Maestro, Autografo, Autografo. Right. And when I turned, I had a smiling face. But when I heard it, my back was turned, and I had this look of absolute disgust, and I was caught. Mm. And these people were looking at me like, Oh, look at him. He's got an attitude. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, oh, man. You know, I, I, I let it get to me. I, you know, I, yeah. I dropped my persona and I, and I, it, I it's hard for not to let it get to you. You know, it's hard. I mean, you, there's so it much is, energy. Like, you, know, you just got to be responsible. I mean, you can't be a victim. You chose to be there, you know, so you, 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 you be there and you show up and, you know, I like that term where they say, be a professional. A professional performs his duty no matter how he feels. Right. Period. And that's, you know, that's the difference between an amateur and a professional. Sure. A professional will always perform his or her responsibilities no matter how they feel. It has nothing right. to do with your emotions. It has to do with the responsibility of what you take upon the mantle of your life. And, right. you know, that's, that's when you go home and, you know, punch the punching bag and say, you know, I... I got to let some steam out, you know, but you don't let it out on people that don't know any better. 
You sure. don't you don't do that. And and I think that but you know, but lessons learned, you know, again, do, I, I don't do know keep... perfection and I've never gotten there. No, and it's impossible to get there. You know, we both know right. that. It's impossible to get there. But do you keep do you keep sacred your teachings and your learnings from your past? It's obvious that you do. But sure. you know, yeah, what are, what are the top tier, like top three teachings? And I want to talk to you later on about most of these things. But what are the top three things that you hold close to you, the most close to you as an artist? Uh, a lot of my influence is visual. You know, there's there's right. there's three ways that we learn. I mean, three ways that we really absorb material: visual and auditory. And, right and I and neurolinguistic programming. Right and and in my context, you know, I'm influenced by audio, so I need music to create when I right. play. But I'm also I need the visual, you know, and 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 uh, you know it, within the music that's the emotional music part. But then you have the responsibility of the lyrics. So there's your auditory. So if you have right. lyrics that influence you, music that influence you, and visuals that influence you, and I, I've had that. I, I, I'm very heavily influenced by certain artists and um, certain authors, uh, e- even in movies. You know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Christopher Nolan. And uh. you know, to me, I, I, I love stuff with depth. I love things, you know, I, I'm a fan of, of uh, Socrates. I'm a fan of uh, Shakespeare. Yeah, um, I, I live. I live my life by a, a motto. Um, you speak in my language. Shakespeare said, you, you know, he he uh, Shakespeare. He has a, a line or a quote that he said, uh, "To thine own self be true." I That's live right. By that. you yeah, know, I live by that because yeah. you know, be true to yourself. I mean, you can't lie to yourself. You can't fool yourself. Right. And you can fool other be, people, but you can't lie to yourself. No, you can't, you know, or, or you can't tickle yourself. My wife would say, right. <laughs> you know, it's coming. It's <laughs> funny. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like being um, receptive to, to, to wisdom and knowledge and of, of any sure. kind, you know, I I'm influenced by Buddha. I'm influenced by Jesus Christ. I'm influenced by, you know, um, Martin Luther King. Junior, sure. I'm influenced by, by you know, people that have stood their ground, stood up, and 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 projected, you know, wisdom and projected um, life solutions, and you, you know, it's kind of we're subjected to having to to you know rediscover things on our own unless we unless we read people's you know writings. Oh, you know, one of my great influencers. Um, Mark Twain. I mean, was brilliant. Oh yeah, Samuel the, Clemens. The man was, oh, he's brilliant. Um, yes. But I'm also influenced by people like Nikola Tesla. I mean, you know, have you, you you and I are so, you know you and I are so similar. It, it's 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 driving me insane. Have you ever read read uh, Letters from the Earth? No, I haven't. P- please God, read Letters from the Earth. It, it was a book that was written by Samuel Clemens. That his great granddaughter found in his in his um, in his uh, desk that she published published, and it was it's the most brilliant book you ever read in the world. It's a book written about an angel and and a demon talking to each other. 
And it's an entire book of stories and philosophies and just weirdnesses. And it's just, it's simply brilliant. So it's called Letters from the Earth by Samuel Clemens. Please read it. I mean, knowing your intelligence level, I mean, you, you will just eat that stuff up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm a sponge. I, my wife and I are both. We're, you know, I, I have a. I've been really blessed. I, I was uh, sweethearts with my wife when we were in high school, and we had a, a long hiatus and went through a couple of practice marriages and found our way yeah. again a, a little <laughs> less than ten years ago. And we've been inseparable. I, we might have spent a whopping couple hours apart from each other in the yeah. past seven years. Your wife is and, incredibly sweet. She's so sweet. She, I, I, when you guys awesome. came out, to, she, she's great. And when you guys came out to our our movie premiere uh, down uh, at the Quentin Tarantino Theater, you, you guys were first of all so cute together, so adorable together. But it was such an honor to have you there. Um, you guys are just great. You're just great people. You know what? It's, you know I. I it's kind of funny. We, we used to give reference to this, and I'm going to I'm going to keep my language to a, a nice G level. But sure, we always we always grow up around other couples that you go, oh, that's the fu couple, <laughs> because you're going, like, it's all great. They're happy. Look at that. They're so happy. Oh, look at oh. me. I'm happy. Couple. <laughs> and, you know, when you don't have it, you look at it with envy, and you just believe. Yes. It, you know. Yeah, you're and, like, and oh, I, you're so happy. Screw, screw you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it was kind of funny because I go, you know, my wife and I, we looked at each other and we go, oh, my gosh, we've turned into the FU couple. Yeah. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. I look at you guys and I'm like, I, you know, I couldn't help but be happy for you. And when you were together, we're taking pictures. I'm like, I am so happy for you. And we're together and I'm like. This it's is some, something to admire. Yeah, this is something to admire. It is bliss. Yeah, I, I, I live, I live a very wealthy life. I mean, you know, I don't have a lot of money in the bank account. I don't have a lot of luxuries, but, but, right. but I do, I do live one of the wealthiest lives I've ever known. I'm, yes, somebody I'm who loves I you. I wake up. That's right. I wake up laughing. I go to bed yeah. laughing. We study together. We read together. We work together. Um, wow. You know. It's like I'll write. I mean, we're we're writing a lot of uh, of things, and you know, I I think everybody does that at the end of their life. They start thinking, oh, I better get my life's work done, and they sit down <laughs> and get more serious about writing and putting down the discoveries. I've I noticed a lot of people do that. Right. You know, they just they just try to get their life's work done, and my wife and I have have life work to to get accomplished. Right. And and my wife um she came into my life and. She was an English teacher in Taiwan, and she used to she used to teach wow. uh, English as a second language, and now she considers herself an ESL teacher and as a second language. So, wow. so she she'll take my writings, I'll write it down, and I'll send it over to her, and then she'll wow. take what I wrote, really, and she'll reformulate it, and it's wonderful. <laughs> that is the most brilliant relationship on the planet Earth. Can you take my writing and and work it out? <laughs> It's great because it's funny because, you know, I'll write something and I'll send it over there and she'll send it back. And I go, wow, this is really articulate. It's really well done and everything else. But I thought I said that. She goes, um, not really. I think some people might have a little hard time with this, this, and this. I'm like, right. Thank you. I'm glad that you could do that because, I, you know, to me, 
this and this are not connecting, and uh, you know you need to be more observant of this. And well, when you I say for and this, I come, I come from a, a, a Hawaiian culture, and a lot of people, yes, you know, we, we try to absorb what different cultures are like in, in America. Sure, not everybody runs into the Polynesian culture; they just walk into Hawaii because of Magnum PI or, sure, or, you know, one of those, one of those shows or. And they they just assume that they understand the Hawaiian culture because maybe sure. they didn't want to trip to Hawaii and they were there for two weeks and they had a, you know a pineapple drink and therefore they're sure. you know, in a Hawaiian land and they're, they're they're Hawaiian and <laughs> and they don't really understand the culture and, right and I was raised in that culture which is you know it's probably the most loving open huggy you know you know everybody's a brother everybody's kind and 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 and, and everything until they're not. Right. right, you know, well, there's there's two sides, you know. It's like the whole. If I can, you know, if I can share something with you, private, and I know we're in, and you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of people listening to us right now. But if I can share with you something private, that was my first marriage was to a Hawaiian. So wow. we, we were, yeah. yeah, when we met each other, uh, I was That's still right. married. That's right, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I was still married, and uh, we got a divorce after that. It was ten years. And she was she was Hawaiian, so I, I had a great. So I know I understand exactly what you're talking about. They're nice sure. in, until they're not, and the, and yeah. that flips on that flips on a coin. By the way, yeah, there's 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 no gray. <laughs> no, 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 zero. It's 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 yeah, coin. Either aloha flip. or aloha. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, whoa, that's that. Yeah. That got that got really scary really fast. And my wife had a hand of the gray, and so I'll throw things out. I'm very blunt because I feel, you know, that that same philosophy. You don't like my truth and seek therapy, and I don't mean to be mean or rude. It's just, no. you know, the the American mainland American culture is a lot more uh, sensitive to eggshells, you know, right. and. You're walking on eggshells so constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, my wife, you know, she'll say, you're going to, you're going to really, you know, you're going to bend a lot of people out of shape if you go that direction. I don't see it. I really don't, but I completely a hundred percent trust her. And then right. when she will re-edit what I say and then send it out there. We'll post something or something like that. She does all my editing. And so right. when it, you know, I, I, I get feedback, I'm going smart, man, this is, this is the best, Responses I've ever gotten to any post in my life. Right. Well, I, right. I'm going to keep you writing because this is great. You know. You know. You know. You know, exactly. sir. <laughs> sir, one of my favorite sayings is: "Behind every powerful man is a woman who thinks he's an idiot." So you're you're falling right you're falling right into that one right there. <laughs> you, you know what? When you when you finally have a relationship that works, right. You realize right. that you're never in a situation where you use dark humor, because you know, yeah. a lot of times people they belittle their their spouse. They, they do right. it all the time. It's like, you know, like like uh, you know, they'll sit there and say, "Oh, I'm in trouble with my wife," and and I'm like, you know, I don't like wow. that stuff. I don't I, like I that thing. Either. I don't like that stuff either. You know, like the my old ball and chain, or uh, you know, I'm yeah, not. A, I, I'm. A, I do not like that humor. I, I I think it's I think it's wrong, you know, and I think yeah. you either make it work or you know, or you don't, or make it work. Yeah. Know? And in my case, you know, I was best friends with my wife since 1975, and right. here it is, you know, it's 40 years later, and we laugh right. every day. 
and right. we, 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 we cry and we, we do everything together. And it's great right. because when you really have a relationship that works, it's like a found oil machine. It literally is a right. white, uh, a right wing, left wing uh, relationship. They, they really look out for you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, I don't know. Have you seen that movie Ender's Game? Where, yeah, where, of course. Where, yeah, you know, where the, the, the girl was like on his chest looking over his shoulder. He was on her chest looking over her shoulder. Right. And, right. and they're protecting each other. And that's how we are. We watch each other's back. That's uh, wonderful. She, she she just is is it's it's a blessing. It's a it's a huge blessing, and I'm glad I I lived long enough to have this as an experience because right. not everybody gets this in their life. I I just lost one of my best friends last oh, really? week to cancer, and he never got married. He never he never had that experience of having children or having. He never had that relationship. relationship. No, he never had yeah. that relationship, and. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I hadn't gone through two marriages, wow. but you know, I was miserable. And and you look back and you're going, "Wow, is it possible to be happy? Is it possible?" At least I to had be it. Yeah. Really happy, not not happy moments, but be life. Right. And I and I, I I'm living a happy life. My my wife and I we found this this uh, three acre property in Eastern Oregon. We're about two and a half hours outside of Boise, across the Oregon border. And it's heaven where we live. It, it's it's right. you know it's like the the Guangzhou lifestyle where you know you're yes. done for, and you want to seek peace. Yeah. And and we live on a creek. Well said. And it, it's like you know you look out our back porch and you see nothing, just trees yeah. and hills and trees and hills, and then in the background you see snow-covered capped mountains, and. And it, it's cool because it's an old abandoned mining town. And so 3 o'clock right. in the morning, you might hear a dredge sound, a ghostly dredge sound. So we, we definitely have paranormal experiences here. And right. you, you, can't, you can't qualify it or disqualify it, but what you do is you acknowledge, I heard something weird last night, you know. It's, if you don't and mind, I, I qualify them. <laughs> I always qualify them. There's, there's always some oh, kind we, of echo energy. Well, this is this is one of those places we 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 um, we we've had you know you know experiences that could be related to Bigfoot up here. We we have you know paranormal as as far as strange yeah. lights in the sky experiences up here. But there's there's we, a reason had, why why five different societies have called uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch to this to that to this to that. So there's a reason why that exists. So we don't we don't need to qualify that. There's, there's enough data to, 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 to leave it as, as a possibility. There's enough data Absolutely. that's been presented. And, and you know, I, I try to tippy-toe around that because I do realize that, you know, in an urban-based society, we're not introduced to strange things. And so, therefore, right. we discount right. things immediately. Because we have I supermarkets. Have yeah. Right, right. You know, but I, I've lived a very dual, dual life. I've lived on Indian reservations. I've lived in the back parts of Hawaii. I, I've lived in very odd, strange locations. I mean, where we currently live, there's there's probably a million inhabitants around us, but only 120 of them are human. You right. know, it's like <laughs> there's, there's there's cattle and deer and sheep right. and uh, bighorn bighorn sheep and 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 all kinds of wildlife. Bears, in fact, our our um, uh, property got invaded by a couple of bears and. 
Wow. It, it, it's a whole different life when we get our news from the post office. It's all scuttlebutt, right? So we go down to the post office, and here it is like four months after this incident. And there's this guy, he's an old-timer there. He's probably in his 90s, and he's all like, yeah, the bear came in my back door, and I shot him in the mouth. <laughs> and you're going, oh, you're the guy. <laughs> I heard about you. He's all, yeah, man, all of a sudden this bear came in my house, and I'm a lion half of that. I pulled out my 45 and shot him right in the mouth. And I said, well, you didn't kill him. I know, he's angry and surly and looking for looking for revenge. And so the whole town was kind of, you know, on edge, you know, because there was like a, a, a bunch of, of bears around here. And my, my wife, you know, her, her name is Bear. And so it's kind right. of funny. We had uh, wildlife fish and game come knock on our door. And they're all like, uh, hi, um, Bear trap on your in your yard, <laughs> and I'm all like, uh, I already trapped the bear. <laughs> She's right here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, well, my wife's name is Bear. Right. So, so, so you were laughing. So, you know, apparently we had four surly bears up here, and they caught them, and they they uh, sent them on to the uh, the afterlife because they you can't we you can't you know I guess. Uh, rehabilitate a bear once they've tasted human food or they've gotten yeah. that in their mind they they don't yeah. they don't turn around so we we had that as a activity up here for a while which is fun and it's kind of weird because you know when you when you live growing up with with martial arts mentality you know you're dealing with with the idea that somebody in your culture might attack you but right. we're living in a neighborhood where that's not the concern. I'm not worried right. about using my self-defense knowledge at all. You know, hmm. I'm sitting there going, okay, we got a 500-pound bear at our window. <laughs> Martial arts ain't going to work. <laughs> there, must be a, there must be a great freedom to that. You know, there, there is because it allows you to think differently because I, I think that you know, like when I, I mentioned about, you know, living a pattern and, and doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and and getting the same results. And to me, um, I took this from my dad. When my dad was was uh, teaching martial arts, the one thing that he got really burned out with is teaching the beginners, the yellow belts. He got sick. Right. He got burned out teaching the same beginner class That's over common. and over again. That's very common, yeah. Yeah, and, and so he he thirsts for having people intelligent enough to understand his advanced discoveries, and so he got really burned out with that. And yet, you know, the thing that I saw within his system, ninety percent of the seminars that I saw, that's what people taught: the yellow belt material over and over again. I'm going, the guys in the room have got like a lot of rank in this room. Why are you going back to, you know, Kempo right. one hundred and one? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always that way. And I'm like going, you're kind of ripping people off because you're also kind of screwing up with somebody else's game plan. You know, I teach my kid, my students this version of the yellow belt material. And then some guest instructor comes in and says, well, let me correct you. You know, and I'm like, well, isn't there any Einstein here? Is everybody a kindergarten teacher? You know, can, can we have a little bit more something? And, and that's what put me on a, a path because, um, you know what what I'm up here for, um, besides living, you know, a peaceful, calm, you know, beautiful life in the mountains. Um, it allows the space to, to to get your writings down, to get things that you've discovered in life down. And right. my wife and I are writing a nine book curriculum on on 
a science that I found that is the opposite science to the martial arts. Okay. And this opposite science, it, it just it, it's really simple to explain on on a small level, and then it gets kind of complicated. But okay. that is is that if you look at at martial arts and what martial arts is, martial arts is nothing more than the the philosophy of a I win you lose with a collision based science. That's all it is. And so when I take that as an opposite science, I'm going, okay, is there a, a self defense system out there? that teaches a win-win with a redirective science. Right. And so I discovered this from being out there, and it's like one of the things I noticed within the arts was that people were, were, were everybody's trying to advance the gun. You know, this is the human gun. Let me advance right. the gun. And and so I got to, you know, our culture is like, I, I need a bigger gun. I need a better gun. I need a more powerful gun. I need more bullets in my gun. And there's this constant push for that direction. And and from my perspective, I'm going, okay, that's great, and that's fine, that's Danny, but that's covered. I got it. Hmm. Check. I, I got it. And I don't want to regurgitate that over and over and over again. I don't want to build a better gun. And and so I looked at it, and I was going, okay, well, look, let, let's just look at our kids. I grew up where there was no kids in the in the martial arts schools. I was like one of the only kids that was in the martial arts school, and it, and it absolutely sucked because you know my best friend was a was a wooden stick on the wall and a rubber rubber gun <laughs> and a punching bag. You know, right. I only took karate for one reason because I was I was owed a chocolate soda when I was done, and that's right. all I care about. You know, it's like okay, I'll take your stupid karate lesson, but I. But I want my chocolate soda when I'm done with two hours. Did you get your chocolate soda from Boz Big Boy? Is that where you got it from? Where'd you get it from? It was like Nesbitt or something like that. I don't know. Oh, Nesbitt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just, it was, you know, it was one of the things that my dad had at the karate studio, like a little soda machine that was like a low standing freezer and that you Mm -hmm. would put your money in and you'd scoot the bottle along this rail, you know, and then you'd pull it out. It was just, it was one of those, you know, I wish we had that thing still. It'd be a really cool thing. But, you know, sir, but, I, uh, I, I, I want to talk to you longer, but you know, I, I need to, I need to let you go for lunch because we're going to have a, a longer conversation right after this. Um, yeah. And we're going to be talking about martial arts right after this. So, okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting into different territories right now. Uh, but, you know, is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, you know, life is short. If you're not enjoying what you're doing in life, then do something else. You know, there's, there's too much frustration in our world. There's too much frustration in our lives. And we need to pick things that make us and the people that we surround ourselves with, you know, peaceful, happy place. And, you know, I, I wanted that. I went after that and I found it. And, and I, and I just, I just hope that others can can find it, you know, within their lives or put that as a goal. You know, and I think well, with, that, that with your with important. your wonderful and beautiful life, wife, you you live really a secluded kind of existence, but really a wonderful existence with your best friend. And I'm so yeah. happy for you. What do you have to share with all those people out there that are missing that perspective in their existence? What do you have to share with them on, on what they're missing? 
Well, I think that I think that it's a matter of not giving up. I think we all, when we're young, have a list of what we want, and then somewhere in in our lives, we change that list of what we want to what we don't want. You know, you know, we we say, oh, "This is what I want in a, in a partner. This is what I want right. in a partner." And then you you get a partner, and then you go, "Well, I compromised. I didn't get this, 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 or this." And then all of a sudden, it goes south, and then that list changes to, you know what? As long as she doesn't have this trait, this trait, this trait, I'm happy. <laughs> and, you, and you compromise. You, you compromise, right. and you don't you don't hold yourself to the standard that that you started with, and you don't hold the people that you interact with to that same standard that you expect and you choose to give. And right. as far as I'm concerned. Don't lose track of that. Don't compromise your goals and your and your dreams. You know, don't right. settle. You know, and and right. I'm I'm a firm believer of that. It does pay off because you know, at the age of uh, I don't know, fifty three, I found her again, and you know, I'm sixty now, and and life is bliss. I mean, life is bliss, and and I always had it in my hand that I would find that bliss one day, and I never really? gave up, and I'm glad I didn't. So, so you you never you never gave up. You 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 constantly no. searched for that bliss. Always, always. You never give up on that dream. You know, if so, then life is two things. You either get busy dying or get busy living. You know, right, right. Live. Don't exist. Right. Don't get by. Don't you know? You know. Don't race home so you can crack open the six pack. You know, to right. rip a bong head or something like that. That's not right. what life is about, is going on pause until you can survive the next day. Live. Right. You know? Yeah, when, when you look, live. When, when you look at your paintings, I mean, your paintings are really amazing. They're really fantastic. What, what do you have to say to those people that, you know, sometimes people are saying, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time with those paintings. What is that ever going to bring to your life? What is that ever going to do for you? It's simple, man. Don't ruin the moment with their opinion. <laughs> I mean, if you're happy doing it, why ruin the moment? Right. You know, don't poop in my Cheerios. I'm fine. <laughs> don't poop in my Cheerios. <laughs> I mean, we all we all do that for some reason. We all start with a box of crayons. Why did we right. throw it away? Right. I, I, I you know, it, I like teaching people. Sometimes when they come over to my house, I give them stuff to play with. Here's a box of crayons. Here's some paint. Here's some clay. Here's a chalkboard and chalk. Mm-hmm. Draw. Well, I, I, what if it looks stupid? Who cares? You like right. it? Why did you stop liking it? Everybody liked doing it. Right. You just didn't like the, the, re, the, the audience's reaction, but right. do you really care when you just draw for nobody else but yourself? You don't care. You don't care at all. I mean, I'm blessed that people like my artwork, but I, whether people like it or not, I still draw because it makes me happy. Right, right. I, I just don't lose your youth, you know? Hmm. Every day we need to stay in a state of playfulness, a, a, a state of wonderment and discovery. Don't lose that part of us. We'll always have our innocence, our youth in us. We choose to, to, to bury it or lose it, but it's always right. in us. And we, we, we always have a moment where you, you bring that youthfulness out. You go with the right person at the right time, and you find the right joke or the whatever. You start laughing as if you're a three-year-old, you know? You're, right. You know, you find ways to make that last longer. 
you know? Not, right. You know, we're older, so we, we maintain our, our, our maturity. But the thing is, is don't maintain your maturity at the sake of losing your youthfulness. Sure. You know, I'm 60 years old, and trust me, you share my wife and I sometimes. We're like two, we're like three-year-olds, you know? Still <laughs> practical joking, still being silly, still being goofy. And, and, you know, it's, we never lost that youthful side. We, we giggle and laugh and, and it's, it's just so healthy. And I don't you, see why we lose you, that. You spent so much time suffering and so much time going through different uh, mentalities and, and different ideas. Yeah, yeah. And you find yeah. the woman of your dreams that you've known for a long time. Sure. What is the secret to keeping that dream alive? To keeping that Honesty. love alive? Honesty, 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 honesty. Okay. Completely. Drop your shower curtain. You know, okay. you know what? You know what's really healthy? I, I gave my wife all my passwords. I don't hide anything from her. You know, Amen. I don't allow things. I don't allow things to creep in in secret. The second you create a secret combination, the second you create deception, the second you edit and you don't allow things to be truthful, even though truth can be harmful and I mean, not harmful, hurtful. You know, it's like there are times when it's like, look, I'm offended to my wife. I'm, I'm upset. And I know this is an uncomfortable conversation, but I don't want to fight with you. And I want to talk through this. And I want, I want to be able to hear your perspective and I want you to hear mine. And, right. and I want you to know where it comes from. And, and if you can be honest enough and caring enough and loving enough that you can get through those conversations where you go, look, my my end result is not to have us being miserable and angry and going to bed not talking. My my goal is to sit there and you know clean the wound out, put a bandaid on it, and go to bed happy. And and I think right. that that the the most healthy thing that anybody can do in their life is to drop deception, drop the lies, you know, and and, and you know unconditional. You can't do it with everybody. You can't. But you right. can find that one person that's out there. Oh, God, man, I mean, how many millions and millions of people are out there? Come on. There's one. Right. There's one. The one you find. You know, and I didn't give up. I found it. And I, I seriously never gave up on that idea, even though, oh, you bet I was discouraged. You know, there's nothing worse than being, you know, I traveled the world, but 90% of it was alone. I'm on an airplane alone, you know, everything, you know, like a fight club, you know, everything's a single service. The, the right. person next to you on the airplane is a single service friend, you know, right. you, you know, everything you have is a single service moment, single service in this restaurant, single service with this hotel, everything's a single service. And if you can find something that's a lifetime service, that's the goal. It's a, it's a very lonely existence. I, I don't, you know, every now and then I'd, I'd be on a plane and I'd see Bill Wallace, you know, on the plane with me. I'm like, hey, where are you going? Yeah, I'm going here. You know, and then I'd, <laughs> I'd have 10 minutes of happiness because I recognized somebody from the from my industry, you know, right. crossing crossing paths, uh, you know, at the airport. And, and it's, you know, I, I even got sick of myself because I, I try to be an infotainer. I try to be, um, you know, humorous and likable and, you know, telling stories and stuff like that. But I started doing these tours and I got to the point where, you know, I go back to my hotel room and I tell myself to shut up. 
It's like, I don't want to hear your stupid stories anymore. Your jokes aren't funny, Ed. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Right. Don't say a word, you know. And I was like, you know, I heard the same story for three weeks. Shut up. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, but I, my wife hears the same jokes and the same stories, and she still laughs. Right. But it's like I tell the story a little different every time, and right. she gives me a, a little different laugh every time. And it doesn't get right. old. And it's really nice to know that, that you can mix it up for each other and can be better. And, and I, I don't know. I just I wish this for everyone. I really do. Yeah. I wish everyone could can find this, whatever. I don't know how to define what we have is, but I do right. know, you know, what it takes to, to, to you know, at, arrive, uh, you know, at a destination. I mean, you have a goal to be somewhere, you know, be there, get there. Get to your destination, and then when you're there, maintain it. You know, don't don't whip out the lounge chair and you know right. crack open a cold one and, <laughs> and do no more work. You know, right? You the work is going it. on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, be clever and and you know, say you love your your significant other in 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 clever ways. You know, um, cook a meal. You know, uh, burn a meal. Laugh about it. <laughs> like, I know how that feels. Put two things together. You know, my wife and I, we cook together. We, we write together. We we exercise together. We do everything together, you know, and, and yeah. we go for yeah. walks and love nature. And, and uh, you know, we, we do think – and we date. You know, we're right. in the middle of nowhere, so there's not – we're not going to go to a movie theater. There's no movie theater around here. Right. Um. And so what we do is we do photo safaris. She likes to do photography. Go down some offbeat road in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like, oh, man, I know where it's going to look really cool to get you some good angles <laughs> for the camera. And so right. we go on photo safaris, and it's funny. If anybody looks at our web, website, stuff like that, you'll see some of her photos. And it's not just her photos because we she, we went by this farm where there's a bunch of cows out there, and we have like this, this um, uh, flea market that's here. Uh, about three times a year and there's a bunch of cows out in the field and there's one cow whose legs were a little lower than the other legs and she wrote this little thing saying you know just as suspected you know or the hazmat team for the for the uh sumter flea market is busy at work looking for potholes just as suspected judy found a pothole <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> it looks like the cow's in a pothole we, we don't know for sure or not, but it's just, right. she's funny, and she just makes it. <laughs> so it's not just it's not just the photos she takes, which are really beautiful, but it's right. the humor of of the way that she 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 labels them. And it's, it's, I don't know, we're just always cracking up because I'm like, where did you come up with this stuff from? You know, and she's all like, I don't know, having fun. I'm so happy and, and for those, you. You know, that's our date. Yeah, those are some some great stories and great you know things that tell our, our audience on, on on love and caring about somebody else you 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 know you're a great great guest and uh you know i, I consider you a great friend and uh, you know i Likewise. i really i really appreciate you being on the show today we have, we have another second episode and i'm sure our audience knows about that but we have a second episode coming up pretty really soon about martial arts as well but you know thank you so much for sharing your intelligence your wisdom your time your caring your charisma with all of us i mean it's it's been you know i can talk i literally can talk to you for five hours 
on this show. I mean, in that way, you know what I mean? That's why I had to make it a second part because I, I knew for a fact there's there's no way I can get just you know, an hour it has to do with frequency. It, it it it's a dance that 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 two people have. You know, if you if yeah. you don't dance well, you're not going to dance more than ten minutes or five minutes. I mean, there's people. <laughs> I I won't talk to more than thirty seconds. <laughs> you know, really frequency. It really is. You know, and well, I feel honored by that. So you so you feel but okay with talking factual. me this long? Yeah, it, it's factual. The bottom line is is that you know if people can't resonate on the fra- same frequency, then there's right. nothing to talk about. There's nothing to really right. bond with or or interact with. But but all conversations should have a mutual benefit. Sure. All conversations, especially Absolutely. ones that last for an hour and a half. It's you know and continue for another one because they're of mutual benefit. And, and, you know, that's what we call a balanced life. Sure. Absolutely. You're, you're a great man and you share some great knowledge with us and we really appreciate you. And we can't wait to talk to you again. And uh, please say hi to your wife. And uh, thank you for being on the show today. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you in just a little bit. Okay. We'll talk to you in a bit. Yeah. We're going to clap you out. Hold on a second. We're going to clap you out. Oh, I like that part. <laughs> you are awesome, my friend. You are awesome. Have a great Thank lunch. You. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Okay, we'll talk to you in a bit. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Now, that is a great man. I can I can literally talk to him for hours and hours and hours and hours about so many things that we care about, that we think about, that we want other people to think about as well. Um, I, try to th- I try to listen to our first interview that we did together, and it was literally insufferable. I mean, I, he was only my sixth, my sixth guest, and God bless him for being on that show, but he's such an incredible human being of incredible knowledge and incredible things to say. I can't wait to have him on. He's going to come on in just another another hour. So you guys are, will have the pleasure of having on again. Ed Parker Jr., you are really a great human being, and we love your art. For all of you who's listening right now, please go to his website, go to his Facebook, and look at his art. It is truly magnificent is truly beautiful something to be in awe of I know we as martial artists can't be great at everything but at the very least we can be good at a few things and he's great at that we're going to talk to him a little bit about the martial arts and his father things like that the same thing we did what, eight years ago? What, what a great guy. I'm so proud to call him my friend. I'm so honored to call him my friend. Such a wise human being who takes all people into consideration. Takes all things into consideration. Lives his life where his mouth is. Consider his considers existence and how it partakes in other people's existence as well. Shares his life with other people. 
is really a great man. Really a great man. And I couldn't wait to have him on the show again. So we can talk about all things art. And on our second episode, which we're going to have right now. And on martial arts. And what do you think of that? They're difficult subjects and I like them to be separated. I don't want him to think that we're just using him for martial arts and his father. I want to know about him. His personal life. His wife. How they found each other. How they fell in love. How he doesn't like negativity in considering his wife like the old ball and chain or what have you. I admire that. a great human being he's done a lot of great things on this earth and he shared himself with a lot of lot of people and I hope you'll appreciate him being on the show and to all of you thank you so much for joining us I want you to remember that we can only get through this moment together this pandemic. We can only get through it together as a family. A lot of people are not wearing masks. Wear your masks. Think about your grandmother. Think about your mother. Think about your aunt. Think about the children out there that are not doing well. Think about the teenagers out there that are sick. Take care of each other. Love one another I see a lot of people not caring and I have to wonder do you love yourself I believe if you love yourself just a little bit more you'd be a little bit more careful forgive yourself please forgive yourself love yourself love other people care about other people Put them close to your bosom. Forgive them. Forgive yourself. Live a good life. Be a good person. I believe in you. I trust in you. I know you can do it. I love you all. And thank you for giving me this platform. My name is Steve Pisa. And this has been Central Files Radio. Have yourself a great time. Be safe. Of course, be well. Take care of one another. That's all we can do.